feel it. I feel it. Mm. Coming up from the earth. Deep, deep, deep from the heart of the beating, living, breathing mother. Mm. Into my dancing feet. Up my ankles. Up my thighs. Swirling around my juicy hot bits. Mm. Up through my navel. Oh, into my solar plexus. Into my heart. Out, out into the world through my beating living heart. Mm. Up into my voice, my throat. Into my words, into my song, out through the airwaves, into your ears, into your soul. Do you feel me? Up, up through my third eye. Now I see you, I see you swaying, I see you dancing with me. Up to the crown of my being. Now we are all connected. I am you, and you are me, and we are the rhythm of the earth. <clears throat> Out higher still into the cosmos where we dance with ancestors and gods. We are all star children. Do you feel me? Can I get a holla fucking luya up in here? <laughs> Boys and girls, you are going to want to stick around for this. We have a very special episode of Eat My Pagan Ass with guests, Dragon Ritual Drummers. You are hearing their beats now, and you're going to hear more. Follow me on this snaking, dancing, moving journey all the way from the wild norths of cold Canada down to the balmy, steamy, sexy, rhythmic, pulsing, living beats of New Orleans, the Caribbean, all the way to Africa, back through time, Come with me on this journey, boys and girls. You won't regret it. everybody, this is Lucky Licious, and you're listening to Eat My Pagan Ass, and I'm here with some very special guests today. I'm with uh, the Dragon Ritual Drummers, and I'm at the Between the Worlds Men's Gathering in uh, Downstate Ohio, and they were some special featured musical guests, and I had the opportunity, as did everyone else here at this festival, to truly rock out to some jamming rhythms that got the spirit moving, the magic flowing, 
and just the sounds shooting out to all corners of the universe, calling our ancestors and loved ones and just surrounding us all in beauty and strength and power and, and everything. It was just a phenomenal experience. So now it's my honor to uh, introduce all of you to this fabulous band. A lot of you I know are already familiar with them and their styling. Um, and uh, some of you may have heard them because I know that they tour around. But if you don't know them, these are these. This is a group that you absolutely have to know. You have to get their CDs. You have to listen to their drums. You have to let the stuff carry you away, and you got to work it into your ritual. Because I promise you, you will not be disappointed. There is some serious mojo getting laid down in these rhythms. So, to no further ado, I'd like to welcome. I've got actually three of the members here. I've got Utu, Adrian, and Flint. And uh, how are you hosers doing? <laughs> We're doing good, eh? <laughs> like really good, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I guess I'd just like to know, like, what is your, how did your group start? And uh, what are the origins? And, and what do you guys aim to do? Well, our group... Because uh, what we were doing at this event was we're formed out of a men's circle. So we're formed out of the Niagara Pagan Men's Circle. The band's 10 years old. The men's circle we're from is 15 years old. And Flint here and myself, we started the Niagara Pagan Men's Circle uh, after we had experienced some good male mysteries in Texas. And they were very drum-oriented down there, very heavy magic, Texas style, big, you know, bigger go home. So we started up our men's circle in fashion of our friends down there. After a few years, uh, the drum was a big part of our, of our you know, monthly magic in our men's circle. And then eventually we decided to dedicate a performance to the local dragon entity where we live in Niagara Falls. There's a myth, a native myth of Hinon the dragon, which is an ancient serpent. And when the Iroquois conquered the Niagara region and, and massacred the Aniagra, the original tribe, they brought their myth of their sky god hero slayed a dragon at Niagara Falls in an epic battle and basically slayed this dragon whose cave is an ethereal cave underneath the brink of Niagara Falls. And so we said, hey, let's work and connect with this deity. And then the deity very, was very, very you know, approachable, interacted with us. We said, let's dedicate a, a show to him. And from there, instantly in those rehearsals, we got invited to go onto a radio show that someone was there, and then we got on television, and then we recorded a CD, and we said, whoa, this magic with this dragon is intense. Let's see where this takes us. And before we could even look back, our drum troupe has now been traveling and connecting and, and spreading the magic, and that's how we were formed. All of our members have to be in our men's circle, so we don't go and get ringers or drummers that are, you know, trained musicians. Most of our guys learn to drum just to be in our band, so we're like the outreach of our men's circle. So different members come and go at times because of life, and we always have a pool to draw upon. And so once someone's good enough to travel with us, then, yeah, they, they join the fold. They get the tattoo. Every member of the band has a tattoo of the likeness uh, of our dragon. So we're a pretty hardcore tribal. And uh, They're all showing me their tattoos now, <laughs> folks. <laughs> some of them are in some pretty interesting places, but I'll leave it to your imaginations. <laughs> yeah, so our, and, you know, we just began to interact more and more with different spiritual communities, traditions, and so we serve... All our band has different uh, spiritual avenues. We have a very heavy voodoo and Santeria influence and allegiance, uh, but we also have a member of our troop that's Hindu. We follow that path as well, the neo-pagan and anything in between that serves spirit, serves community. We try to honor it. So let's start at the beginning then. Let's get back to, to male, male groups. What, what is, what's the purpose? What are the men's mysteries and what, what, what attracts you to that? And feel free, all of you, to chime in on this. Well, the... We just believed in our pagan community that we were in that, you know, because we're going back a while, that there was a need for the men of the community, no matter what their sexual denomination was, mm -hmm. just fraternity, just brotherhood needed to exist. 
within the pagan community. So we just off, wanted to offer the ability for once a month for guys to come and feel uh, included, trusted, so we could build. And so from day one, our men's circle has had an uh, open uh, to anyone of any sexuality. We've had our members of our band, since the inception of our band has always either had gay or bisexual members in it. Our men's circle always has been inclusive that way. So we're just really into keeping the balance. You know, the women have their thing going in, in the pagan community. It would be amazing if women's mysteries and males' mysteries were always happening so they could create, you know, fraternity when we come together. And let's face it, it's just, it's always been that way. We have to recognize passage rights. We have to recognize the power within us. And there's something going on in this neo-pagan world. It's, it's, there's something going on. So we want to do our part to try to connect with the men. We're fascinated by tribal mysteries, especially amongst the men. And there's always been mysteries that goes back to time immemorial that, you know, we want to explore that because modern society kind of deprives us of experiencing some of the tribal connection. And so men were always together. And that's uh, what we've been trying to do is keep the male mysteries alive in a modern society, mm -hmm. tribal. Looks like even here with, with this week, I mean, this is um, a land that's right now covered with 100 and... Hundred and, and a bit, uh, you know, men, and to share their their views, their opinions, and and their mysteries. It, it's quite an honor to be here, and having us as a group together. When when I started with the group, I just wanted to get more involved. And what about you, Flint? What 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 attracts you to male mysteries? The magic, the energy that everybody puts into their magic. The feeling, the love, the brotherhood, it's all part of it. Uh, I'm, ha I'm happiest in my life when I'm with the band or in the men's circle. I mean, I do have a wife and kids too, but, uh, you know, that's, that's a, a separate entity unto itself, just like this is. My heart just glows when we're up on the stage and you hear the people yelling, you know. The adulation or acculation, whatever you call it, is uh, a bonus. You know, we put out the energy and throw it out to you guys, and if they're into what we're doing and what they're doing, they throw it back at us, and it's communication through energy between the groups, and it's absolutely fabulous. There's no other word for it. It's just fabulous. Like a symbiotic relationship, you know, I'll give it to you if you give it back to me. The energies have to go both ways, and even last night, the energies that we felt, everybody was coming up to us saying how... You guys were fantastic. You really made me move. But for us, you have to look at our perspective. We're up on the stage watching everybody here, and they were so alive. And, and the joy, like the smiles on their faces and the, the beat in their heart, you could just see it. And it was just amazing. So I, I enjoyed watching them as much as you guys enjoyed watching us. Yeah, as someone who was in, in, fortunate enough to be in that audience last night, I was, uh, I had a tribal experience, you know, like it was, you know, drums have, have always been an instrument, I think, that calls people together and uh, unites their heart and the community. And uh, I think you guys are like, forgive the term masters, right, of working the drum and working that rhythm and bringing people together, at least just from what I saw last night. I mean, there were people moving last night. I hadn't seen, you know. People like to sit comfortably in their chairs or whatever, you know, and, and those people were up and dancing and laughing and enjoying the real, 
brotherhood that was there, you know? And I think that was also something that I really loved last night was, yeah, looking around and everyone, someone said this morning at the uh, the town hall meeting here that doesn't matter what social strata you come from, whatever your background is, here dancing together to the drum with your brothers, we're, we're all one, we're all one. And that really came through loud and clear um, last night in the, there was like ecstatic dancing, there certainly was magic. You guys felt it moving around. Um, I loved the, I, I'd never heard the last, uh, the bam, bambula. 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 I'd never heard that. I'd, I'd read about it, but I'd never heard it done or seen it done, and it just blew my mind. It was it was such a joyous thing to do for us to be living, alive. You know, I, I think you were saying, you know, we're, we're in the flesh. We're, we're here to, to have pleasure, and we get to enjoy all of that, and let's, give that back in thanks to the ancestors who made it all possible for us. And um, I, for one, was, you know, calling them, you know, that's like, come and dance with us. Life is a feast and, you know, dance with us now and, and be joyous with us now. And I just looked around and saw all the smiles on everyone's faces and everyone was feeling the same thing. I really believe it. It was just an awesome, awesome thing last night. So the energy was there, the magical energy was there. You didn't have to you didn't have to look for it. It was right next to you, right above you, right around you, everywhere. And it was a good thing. That was one of our this has been one of our more intense shows we've ever played because with so many competent magicians. We don't have all the answers of male mysteries, so this we knew when we were asked several years ago by Garandu to possibly come to the 10th anniversary, we told our men's circle, hey, this is going to be a connection, you know, like we have to unite and we have to reach out and talk to people, so we meet them. So we knew coming here was going to teach us something that we did not know about male mysteries. Mm -hmm. And so last night's Bambula, especially, that was the loudest, most incredible Bambula we've heard everybody yelling. Right on stage, we're looking at each other like, Bambula heaven, we were saying. And just the amount of competent magicians and practitioners here, it definitely was, yeah, it was a ritual last night. It was a ritual. Yeah. A ritual performance, interactive and open doors. Tell, tell the story of the Bambula, because I found that really interesting last night. Okay, yeah, Bambula is a rhythm that comes from New Orleans. It was played in Congo Square circa 1830s to 1850s when Marie Laveau, the voodoo queen, would hold her weekly uh, rituals in Congo Square. Now, Congo Square has now been renamed uh, somewhat to a degree uh, Louis Armstrong Square because in Congo Square, every Sunday, the Marie Laveau would host these parties in Congo Square where the slaves and the free people of color, the blacks that were actually freed of slavery and sometimes had slaves on their own, and the Irish who were considered no better than slaves to many at the time. They were basically indentured servants digging up the, the canals and the levees. Every Sunday they would come together, share food, 
share their recipes, their music, and of course their bodies because, you know, New Orleans was so progressive at the time in the 1830s. It was interracial and marriages and hookups of every kind that you can imagine. And that fusion is what created jazz, which in turn created rock and roll, which is hand in hand. Voodoo and rock and roll Americana, it's, it's joined together because of the fusion of African and European music and religion. That's what's combined. So Bambula was with the, the rhythm they played and sang every Sunday. And Marie Laveau would dance with her big snake. The snake's name was Zombie, her big python. Dr. John, the original Dr. John, was the drummer. And they would chant, Bambula, Bambula, which is essentially honoring our ancestors that have guided us to where we are. And we're always grateful to them and want to show them we're happy to be alive, like we were saying earlier. And we're allowed to enjoy the pleasures of the earth plane. And uh, we're honoring our ancestors who are in the ground. And they basically go back to the earth that gives the crops that we eat and continues the cycle. And when we all yell Bambula, that one word means all that <laughs> in reverence. I could, I was transported back to that time and imagining as we were singing along with you, like what it must have sounded like to be in New Orleans that, at that time. And, you know, you're a slaver or you're, you know, whatever. And then you suddenly hear from the town square. Yeah. Everyone like, it's like, wow, what must that have been like? Every Sunday this happened? Yeah. Wow. It's like church, right? It was. It was essentially was the only day off because that slaves were given that time because the slaves that worked down there, they still had to grow their own food. So even though they were working on the plantation, they still had to have their own crops. And so Sunday was the day they could go to market, essentially. And that's what they did. And so they just made a party out of it, you know, because they were there to exchange goods and uh, clothing and such. So it was a big party. They just made the best of it, drank a lot of rum, smoked a lot of cigars. And had a lot of sex, and that's what Bambula also does represent, the fertility and the, the virility of what it's like to be a human who likes to enjoy the pleasures of life. Yeah, I would say so. There's a lot of that energy here. You know, for, you walked into it, basically, and, and I think you all just amplified it last night. So it's a shame that you played just two days before the end of our festival, because it'd be nice to have that energy all throughout the rest of the week. Although, I guess it was, it was could you imagine? You guys should stay here every night and play. My God, we'd never get sick of you, I'm sure. <laughs> Have you played at Wisteria before? Yes, we headlined uh, Summer Solstice here last year, and then we were here the year before that for Cornstalk, so this is our third time on the property. It's beautiful land, isn't it? And it's gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful. The stage is massive, and the, uh, the screen is the backdrop. That's a trampoline. And uh, when we were here last time, we had our logo you know, blown up and projected onto the screen, and it was, it was kind of nice to see it. And then it was one of our friends who... Uh, does a lot of our lighting and, and work, and he had uh, Niagara Falls behind us, and it was like, ah, it's home. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Made of the mist. <laughs> Swimming behind you as you're drumming. Yeah. Shango.
said that you're you're very influenced by voodoo, right? So talk a little bit about that. Like, why did you get interested in in this in voodoo? How how did that come about? And talk a little bit about your practice for people because voodoo is not something that a lot of members in the neo pagan community are, mm. you know, intimately familiar with. Um, and it's it's as I'm not either, you know. So honestly, I mean, I, I have some experience, um, but not so much. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about it from someone who lives and breathes it. Okay, well, uh, as in the Sumerian tradition that Flint and I were in for quite some time, drumming was a focal point. And uh, so I ran into a few voodoo temples earlier in time and was like, oh, there's a, there's a need to drum. Okay, I understand. This is kind of nice. And then literally one night at a festival, I met Priestess Miriam from the New Orleans Voodoo Spiritual Temple and uh, Louis Martinet, who now is my priestess and Louis is my mentor. And from that moment on, it just became a journey of serving the temple, serving the spirits, hands-on learning of invocation and seeing it manifest. And it would never have been the path I thought I was going to be immersed in, but the, the Loa and the Rishas had different plans. So as time went on, where I live in Niagara Falls, and St. Catharines in particular, uh, since I was not always able to get down south, discovered that there was a fragmented uh, voodoo tradition there that comes into Niagara via the Underground Railroad. So Harriet Tubman... Yeah, because you don't think Canada when you hear voodoo. No, no, no. But because of the Underground Railroad, Harriet Tubman was a diviner and she was a conjurer as well. And so she... The Underground Railroad ended in St. Catharines where we live. Her church is there still. Uh, parts of the neighborhoods that where she lived and, and uh, cemeteries that are kind of somewhat forgotten. So my job was to refurbish that and bring it back to pertinence while I was living up uh, in Niagara. So next thing you know, that's what I did. Had a temple, have a temple. It's called the Niagara Voodoo Shrine. We serve the Risha and the Loa nations. So we, we have different uh, hands in a few of the different Ifa, Yoruba, and North American voodoo uh, traditions. And so we just serve spirit. And as long as we're serving spirit, they seem to continue to manifest and open up things for us. So as long as we're serving them, that's good for us. And so still right now, the Niagara Voodoo Shrine is my practice. Uh, many of the, some of the band members uh, belong to that as well. We have affiliates with the New Orleans Voodoo Spiritual Temple. And then a friend of mine who's moved to Canada recently, his name is Prince Bamadili Bajawa. He's a Yoruba prince. And then we've been doing a lot of ritual work together and sharing the African and North American combination, white witch doctor, black African prince. And uh, it's been very rewarding rituals and very inspiring too for us. That's been great. So how many members are in your band six, right now? There's six members in the Dragon Ritual Drummers, and that's the lineup we've had for a few years now. And uh, Who are the other members? Uh, the guys that are not with us is uh, Drago, uh, Ian, and Naresh. All right. And uh, we all play a variety of different instruments. Some events we play, we if there's a proper soundstage, we have a lot of uh, exotic ancient chanters and guitars and and accordions and drones, you know, we can play that sort of ancient uh, music from the Middle East, Southern Europe, North Africa. We have to have certain sound capabilities to do that. So some of our shows sometimes are very different. We'll use other instruments to 
puncture into the realm of spirit. It just depends what world we're, we're trying to get into. And what's the, whatever the purpose is for our performance, we'll tap into it and pull out what we can out of our arsenal. <laughs> well, uh, so what, what are some of the main drums that are featured in your music? Mostly, we have a predominance of jambes, which is those atypical African drums that people hit hard. They're very loud. We have uh, also a big drum that's central to us. It's a big zhum zhum, which is also a West African drum. And so there's two of those. Those are our, our heartbeat drums, and then the uh, jambes work around that. However, we also do use dumbaks, which is Middle Eastern drums. Our friend Naresh has a dole drum, which is an Indian drum that you wear on the side and hit with the two sticks. So we combine, like our music is combining drums from around the world. And so in our sets, we have a lot of different types of drums, but we're, our music is all original. We have a few covers, you know, some standards, but we create the music and uh, we use whatever we need to to create the sounds. Very, very unorthodox, but we are unorthodox. <laughs> <laughs> is there, um, I'll ask each one of you in turn, is there like a favorite uh, piece that you perform? What's your, what's your favorite to perform? Well, it is it's Bambula. Yeah. <laughs> Bambula for sure. How about you? Shango. Shango? Shango. Now, who is Shango? Shango. We love Shango. He's the Orisha of lightning, thunder, sex, masculine powers, and the drum. So Shango is a uh, rhythm. We, for some reason, we don't know why Shango didn't remind us to play his rhythm last night. But uh, yeah, that is a very powerful song. Uh, you know, it's a good one to play. But my favorite is Bambula. Yours is Shango? Mm-hmm. How about yours, Flint? I got a couple. Shango is one of them. Although Shango is the one that gives me the most uh, the most trouble, uh, keeping up a steady beat because it's it's very rapid, and uh, sometimes my shoulder gives me a little trouble and I kind of miss a beat I'm trying to get back in there again. You know, it's, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's one of my favorites. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other one that we play all the time. Just before we played it just before last night. Yeah. Actually, they're all. The first, the first song we play is usually my toughest song. Once we've got the first one in, settled in, and then after that, everything just seems to. That's our feel-out process, where you have to feel out the crowd a bit to see where it's going to happen. You know, so our first song usually does drain us instantly because there's no bounce back. So the drums are just taking our energy, putting it into the ground as a big pool, and at some point when we make the connection, when we know what we're going to connect to, because we play big music festivals, mundane people, so we can rock that party. You know, we, we wear Hawaiian shirts and, and stuff like that. We have different ways to just not freak out the mundane people. And, and then at, last night, we weren't too sure. First song, you know, we played it, and it was like, okay, you know, what's going to happen here? And then by second song, vroom, the warriors arrived, and it was like, okay, all right. And so now we're able to pull up again from the ground and open the door and connect. There was a, a conga line at one point. You oh, said, yeah. you, you said, dance a conga line. And I, I, I think you were the head of that conga line. I was. Yes, the head of a dragon. That was a good conga line. <laughs> that was great. It's just when they left the building, I'm like, where are they going? And then they finally came back through the doorway. Yeah. It's like this great big conga line going around the tables and then out the door. It was a good one. The big snake. It was a good one. Well done. Well done. Thank you. It was inspired. Um, so I, I, I remember from like voodoo ritual, there's like legba is usually done first, right? To, like as the way opener mm -hmm. is, is that like, is there, you know, so like, so voodoo has a certain structure, I guess, when doing ritual, does your, do your performances follow the same sort of formula or, or just no, 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 we could, we, no, we just try We, we can, sometimes we'll organize it that way. But like I said, we just sort of 
depends on where we're playing. You know, yeah. we sometimes have only half an hour to play into a big music festival, or we have two hours to play somewhere. It's, it just depends. But uh, we usually try to start out with the one we're all clapping together. Like we'll get one song out of the way to just warm up, get ourselves ready, feel out the crowd, how it's going to be, and then we try to start including people and clapping our hands and our attention to be united and try to get a crowd, no matter what it is, to start to become unified. Yeah. And then, you know, from there we have bits of numbers that we, you know, think, okay, let's put this rhythm in now because it's good for this, it's good for that, because all the rhythms have a purpose. So we just, yeah, we're always shuffling them, always shuffling them. So uh, some people always ask this, like, uh, you guys are banging on those drums so hard. Like, how do you not break your hands? What, what's going on there? They're sore. Uh, they're sore, and it comes with a lot of practice. You know, they build up calluses, and, uh, you know, the older we get, and the more it's starting to hurt. But uh, it's, just, it's just practice, you know? It's practice and, uh, and just endurance. But, yeah, you know, especially when I'm always yelling at them when we're playing, I'm always yelling, harder, harder, you know? Can't hear the drum, hit harder, yeah, hit harder. Yeah, That's I our understand. whole thing to always make sure we can hear each other. I explained that to him that one day when uh, we were at Sirius and you said hit harder and I put my hand through my drum. It's like, said harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on stage at Sirius Rising, turn around. Is that hard enough for you? Well, I guess it was. <laughs> you put your hand through a drum. Right through my drum. My arm was straight and I'm like, this is an abnormal position to be in. So I quickly whipped off my drum, grabbed uh, Ian's drum. It's like trying not to lose too many beats. And he turns around and he's like, what the hell are you doing with that drum on? And I'm like, kind of broke my other one. So if we if we were to play a couple songs uh, of yours on the podcast, obviously I, I guess we'd play Bambula, right? Mm. And Shango, right? Is that on one of the CDs? Yes, it the, is. The tribal. Which one did we get? I have both. Okay, then Shango is on Tribal Magic. Bambula is also on Tribal Magic. Okay. And then the new one, Temple of the Drum. Um, there's Fanga, the one that we were all singing last night. Fanga Alafia, Ashe, Ashe. Ashe yeah. That's on that one. All right, so we'll play that one. Yeah. And uh, the other one that's on the new album, which is really good, is, uh, might be saying it wrong, is Tuatha de Danan, which is dedicated to the fairy realm, the, the race of fairy kings from yeah. Ireland. So there's a song with the chanters that we dedicate to that realm of spirit. And uh, it's oh, wow. a nice piece. We like that one on there. Ashe, 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 Ashe,
So uh, what are some of the big festivals that you play? Like where, where can people are usually find you on a regular basis? We never know. So if you just go to our website, dragonritualdrummers.com, our, our show listings will be there. We're just now starting to decide what we're going to do next year. Right now, we're trying to get onto a world music scene with really large music festivals in other parts of the world. We're asked all the time to play all around the world. Problem is, there are only one weekend shows. And the, the way it works in that world is you're supposed to go out and spend a month and tour in Germany where we've been asked to play. You know, we've been asked to go to California several times, you know, to Alaska one time, Britain. You know, we just, right now, we're, we have our hands in both worlds. There's actual day jobs for some of us. So this is a big sacrifice for us, too. That's why some of the guys already left. Someone had to get back to work. So we inevitably drive sometimes eight, nine hours to get somewhere, spend a couple of days. Some have to go back. Sometimes we get to spend the whole time. But uh, we're trying to get into next year playing on larger events. And so, uh, but where we have been playing, where we live, we play uh, at a thing called the Mutadi International Drum Festival every year. Uh, we play the main pagan festivals that we can drive to, Sirius Rising, Wisteria's Summer Solstice. I think we're going to be playing PSG next year, actually. And uh, we're supposed to be going to Florida in May as well. Uh, March, sorry, in March. And so next year we're going to, we're deciding our tour dates. Like now we're starting to think about what next year is. So just go to our website and you'll find out where you're in a town near you. Is touring like rough on your family? Some of you have families. Is that, is it too onerous a uh, schedule or you're single? I'm single. And available? Oh yeah. <laughs> He's single and available. Hourly. <laughs> There's only one individual, like Flint is married. His wife, of course, is uh, pagan as well, and she understands. She gets it and knows and, and knows that joy it brings him. Knows that it's actually destiny that we're trying to what we're experiencing. So she's never a hamperance in it. We have one member who definitely has a wife and kids. A little tough for him because you know reality is tough times, jobs, you know, one single car family, that kind of thing. You know, another guy has a child that uh, you know he's uh, responsible for. So it's tough. That, but believe it or not, the hardest part is juggling the work. You know, it's our work that we have to juggle that's tougher. You know? how, how frequently do you just get together and jam and come up with new stuff? We're coming up to that part of the year now that we'll start to do that. So usually in the, the winter and the spring is when we're immersed because we don't want to drive unless someone's giving us plane tickets. We don't want to drive from Niagara to the spots of the states we could play at because we're driving through snow belts and it's just dangerous. So we just can't take that kind of chance. So wintertime, late fall, spring is when we record, we create. Because summertime, we have no time. So we have to get our endurance up, f figure out the songs we're going to play for the summer season because there's weekends, there's months go by. We, we just blinked our eyes, we released our CD in July, and here we are. It's like September, and you know where did it go? We played every weekend, essentially. You know, I've been gone like sometimes three, four days every week for three months. Some weekends are doubles. We do two things yeah. one weekend. When did you... Oh, sorry. That's okay. I was just saying that's a little bit rough sometimes. When you travel down to the States for a few hours, go to bed about 2 o'clock in the morning, get up at 4, then we head back up to up north in Canada, in Ontario, and another three-hour drive there, and it makes, uh, it makes for a rough weekend. But like I said, we love our work. We love what we're doing. So that, that kind of makes up for it. What are some of the things that you find a lot of your fans saying to you? Like, What are, what are some of the things that they say that they like about you? Flatter yourself. Go ahead. Let's hear it. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. There's just so much. Uh, <laughs> uh, mostly it's about uh, getting them to move. And so a lot of times people say, you know, I haven't danced like that in years, or I love dancing to you guys. The people that respond to us the most that are our fans, it's always about dancing to them. And 
opening up the realm of spirit. And again, it's, it's, it's a two-way street. So those are people that are allowing the experience to happen. So all of our fans that are most connected to us, they love just the, the energy we were talking about last night, that interconnectedness, that you know, exchange of energies. D dancers fuel the drummers and drummers fuel the dancers. And so those are the fans that love us the most, are the ones that like to move or say they like to connect to the spirit realm. So they're the ones that are interacting, they're the ones that are helping us create that doorway. I like, I like it when people come up and say, oh, you guys look so happy up there, you were really enjoying yourselves. It's like, that's our world. Of course we're happy, we wouldn't be there if we weren't. Yeah, it's, it's clear you guys are doing what you love to do, and that's what makes it so enjoyable for the rest of us.
so when did you release your first CD? Our first CD was released in the year 2000. We never we we sold a thousand of them and then took that one off the market right away. It was what we felt uh, was, you know, not top top quality drumming, but there's still people out there that have it in the craziest places. They show up and they had one of those, and we go, oh. So year 2000, we recorded our first CD, but it was recorded in a top quality uh, studio, and that was again that was really early in the history of our band. It was just somebody said, hey, I have access to the number one studio here in Canada. Why don't you guys come in here and record this? And usually bands that are only signed to the record company can use this facility. So we always right off the bat after that CD, we realized we have to follow it up with top quality recording, you know, in a top quality facility. And we did record another CD uh, called Volume Two, Dragon Winter Drummers Volume Two, two, uh, two years after that. And then we prolifically put out a few CDs. Then we did the Drum Opera, which got us a lot of world recognition, uh, the history of the Niagara Dragon. And we put another CD called Passages. And then after that, a live CD of all of our travels. We managed to, con to con you know, combine that. And then during that live CD, which was called Odin's Booty, because we, our men's circle had did it, when we knew we were going to start touring the States for the first time several years ago, in the winter, before that summer, at our men's weekend, we have a winter camp, we had built a huge effigy to Odin and connected to Odin and said, listen, we are essentially about to go Viking in the United States. We're going to be traveling you know, with money and there's going to be parties and there's going to be this. There's going to be war. There's going to be necessity to survive and things like Odin, provide us the big crystal ship and help us. And then that year, two years went by of this tour. And he said, well, we have to release a live CD and we better pay off Odin. So we're going to call this CD Odin's Booty. It's his treasure and the thanks to him. That's when we met our new producer, whose name is Brian McPhee. He's an industrial metal producer of music. And that's why we basically stopped selling those old CDs. They're great, but we now have to keep up with uh, the times. And uh, he has reinvented our sound. Like our CDs now are, there's no drum troupe that has the type of way he records. Because it's not just live off the floor. It's not just live recorded drummers. He takes us individually. And then he does what real producers do. We come in with our music and say, this is how it's going to sound. And from U2 to... Peter Gabriel, you name it, there's a producer that says, well, we're going to change the song a little bit, make it sound like this, because they know how things are going to sell out there. And so he helped us and reinvent our talent, reinvent our connection. And so his, his production now of the CDs we sell is, is amazing, and that's where we are now. You know. Was that difficult for you guys to adapt yes. to having that kind of input? <laughs> yes, yes, because we always were in control of how things sounded. And uh, at first it was like, wow, you know, like this is so different. But then when we heard the first finished product that he did for us, we were like, we could never record with anyone again. And thank God, you know, we know him really well. And he said, yeah, as long as I'm alive and you guys are doing this, I will be your producer. And he's just, uh, he's basically a member of the band in a certain way. He is responsible for the way we sound on CD. Like he is totally responsible. He is the master behind the, our music, you know, to, to present it. And that's like how it was for the Beatles and, the Stones, you know, like big, big bands. They rely. They rely on a producer to help them. The Beatles, the Stones, and the Dragon Ritual drummers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> I like it. Um, Mine was not. What's a click track? I didn't understand it. Well, what is a click track? It's click track. A, a beat set. And, and when, you're, when you have a headset on and you're, you're playing, listening to one of the other guys drumming, and, and all of a sudden, okay, okay, here's where I play. Like he, we'd play our music and he would hear things that we didn't hear. And he, he drew it out and he pulled it out. Yeah, he's a producer of industrial metal. So he also brought the volume of drums to a different thing. Our, our, our CDs now has a different, there is no drumming CDs that sound like him. He's found a way, he's reinvented how tribal drums sound. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
because it's just the way he brings up noise and brings up things to be in front. He has taken sounds that normally we would have buried in the back and brought that to the top. And unbelievable the talent that he is. So. Has your stuff been sampled yet in like dance hall hits or anything like that, as far as you know? We've gotten a few emails and we've given permission to a few DJs. We've had a few, surprisingly, guys like from Detroit and Miami that are like rap DJs or hip hop thing asked us, hey, can we use that song? And, you know, could we ever collaborate? And we always say yes. We haven't heard a full remix of, of anything yet, but we've certainly given some people permission in the, in the past. So we just decided to do our own on the new CD, Temple of the Drum, and it's a song called The Bombay Bollywood Bop. Oh. So it's a whole Bollywood inspired piece of music. I and mean, it's got all the instruments, all the tribal Indian sounds, and it's very, very techno. So we just, you know, because Bollywood music is that. So we just yeah. said, let's do our own little dance version. Let's put out a Bollywood song. That's awesome. You know? Well, uh, you know, obviously I can't play every song on your CDs for the listeners. You're, you're going to have to go out and uh, get these for yourselves, but we'll play a sample for you, and uh, I'm sure you're going to love it as much as I love it. So you travel around a lot, and you see a lot of the pagan, neo-pagan community uh, in different countries. Um, I, I know it's kind of a broad thing, but I'm just curious. Like, what what are some of the what are some of your thoughts on what's happening out in neo paganism today? Like, just in terms of community or, or or what what's going on out there? It's good. Uh, we do talk about this a lot. One, if there was one thing I would say that shocked us, because Flint and I especially have been around before the festival circuit really took off, before the internet. So we watched paganism come from the living room coven days to now where there's giant festivals with thousands of people. And one thing we do notice is that the new generation of young kids coming in, uh, they haven't had any time to uh, learn to hone their magic. Back in the day, you had to, even if it was a bad coven, you know, and people have all got nightmare stories of some crazy coven, but while they were in it, they were learning discipline of a moon cycle, how to wield their magic, learning things, hands-on, learning to wield, to deal with their ego, Learn to conjure, learn to wield. Now, that doesn't happen as much. People are just coming to festivals and just say, I'm pagan, I'm a hedonist, you know, and I, I like this, I like that, and which is great. But uh, one thing we have noticed is that uh, there's not enough people that are competent uh, leaders to be able to, you know, do rituals that are going to re-inspire people, you know, like what we would be when we were young, experience a ritual. It was like, wow, which was the other night, the one that Christopher Penzak and Matthew Venus did. The hoof and, hoof and horn ritual. Yeah, that was incredible. What a, that was an amazing ceremony. You know, there needs to be more of those out there, but there's only so many people, you know, to be able to, to help inspire that. So we definitely noticed that it's good. There's definitely a lot of people involved. Uh, America still fascinate, fascinates us because there's like, you know, Republican pagans and gun-toting pagans, you know, where we are in Canada. I would have to say 90% or maybe 99% of all pagans in Canada are liberal. You know, we have a party there called the Liberal Party. There's nobody that's pagan in Canada that's voting for a conservative party in any way, shape, or form. But down here, we notice that paganism is so big in the United States that there is literally conservative pagans, Republican pagans. There is ignorant pagans, you know. We've run into the ones that, you know, yeah, don't like voodoo, don't like gays, don't like, uh, you know, partying, don't like, you know, it's, it's just unbelievable the, 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 how many pagans. So we're wondering how, you know, how this, it's all unfolding before us, right? All yeah. before us. This is a, a, an experiment, you know, that's taken its own life. It's a monster that's growing and growing. And where she stops, nobody knows. But uh, America has definitely got quite a mix of pagans down here. And it, we're always just like, wow, this place had this, you know, this place really, those people were into that. Unbelievable. 
Who are some of your music influences? Who do you like to listen to? Who inspires you, what you do musically? Well, we have a huge variety of music that we all like. But believe it or not, our... ABBA. I bet it's ABBA, right? Well, uh, <laughs> Boney M. We're a bit more of a Boney M band. But uh, our presentation as our band, like we all listen to, we all have some favorites that we agree upon. That would be CCR, you know, Led Zeppelin, The Beatles, um, the standard hard rock. Then we all have other dance music or symphonic music we like. But as a unit, because we're always connected, Kiss is a huge influence on us because of the way they presented their show. Uh, how they made an experience visually and that's why we always have our backdrop with our dragon and we have a light guy sometimes so anything that can create the experience even more and make it more grandiose and the way they marketed themselves now kiss music as we all know is not that great it's it's but the presentation you know kiss is a huge influence on us and of course peter gabriel as a band when he began real world and did the last temptation of christ uh, soundtrack in the, in the late 80s that he he began the world music movement in there and so his music and what he did and combined all that with the Middle Eastern and African drumming, amazing. So we, we very influenced by those CDs that he put out, as well as uh, you know Babatunde Olatunji, who passed away, African drummer. Everything that we participate in, there's somebody who came before us that had something kind of like it, and so we always honor where we came from. But, uh, I mean, CC, yeah, we, we listen to a lot of different music. We got guys in the band that listen to, like, Iron Maiden in their own time, Ramones, you know, we have a huge... Uh, goth industrial music like our our taste in music is pretty vast but Muddy Waters and the Bee Gees we have yeah, a big affinity for the blues absolutely the blues is also I love classical music not the Figaro Figaro stuff like just <laughs> big band and classic because that's what I grew up with before all this other stuff come along they went things like the Doors and uh, you know oh, it was just a, a major change for me but uh one that I've grown to love. Yeah, and, yeah I, lo I love music. doesn't matter what it is. Like I said, other than high opera, uh, music is music. I love, you know, I'll give it an 85 for the beat. <laughs> I was going to ask, so are we going to see you like in elementary schools one day teaching kids how We've to drum? Oh, you have. Yeah. We have done that. And uh, when, if, if and when we can, you know, walk away from the complete mundane job world and do this completely as a world tour, uh, we will be doing that because that's just another way to supplement and another way to, you know, interact in places. So we have done it, and it's always been a very rewarding experience. Kids love it. Some amazing kids that jump on drums and, and can actually play really well, and it's good for them to see that, you know, there's something you can do with drums, and it's outreach as well. So, yeah, it, we have done some corporate events too, you know, to, to unify, a, you know, a group of workers that need to, you know, you can drum together, you can sail together, you know? And, uh, oh, so, oh, yeah, and that's where the big money is, too. But we're so busy still trying to connect with our fan base and, and be attainable to who really wants us to come. So at some point, we will go into that realm a bit more, for sure. I think with the kids in school, seeing them, their eyes light up when they, the first time they ever hit a drum. It's like, wow, I did that? Yeah. Rewarding. Like, yeah, you've seen my drum. It's huge. It's an 18-inch Remo. Well... This little girl that was in there in the, the junior grades, she was afraid of it. She wouldn't even go near it. And I said, listen, I said, you don't have to stand on top and hit it. I said, we'll take you and you can sit on it and you can lean over the top and you can play it. Well, my drum's taller than she is by about four or five inches anyway. And once she got on there and started hitting it, that was, that was it. She looked like she was riding an elephant. Yeah, she was right on top of that thing. Yeah, right on top of the whole drum. But the thing is, it builds a connection 
with the younger ones. So they're not quite so closed-minded. And as they grow up, they'll realize and remember that time that they were sitting on that big drum and say, oh yeah, that was fantastic. And that brings them closer to us, which is what we're working for anyway, to bring the world closer to what we do and to recognize it and uh, maybe be a part of it in some time in their, the rest of their life. It's beautiful. We're just doing our own little part, you know, to just keep people that normally wouldn't, we, we try to serve the people that definitely are into our thing and just do our part to try to open up some minds and some eyes, some hearts to something different. Because even when we play mundane events with our Hawaiian shirts and our Tiki Idol, people still get it. They still understand, oh, these guys are connected to the earth, they're connected to magic. And they don't look, they're not all dressed in black, you know. We, we try to myth bust, you know, the, the, the persona of what a male pagan is, you know, a warlock, a witch, you know, so a voodoo practitioner, a witch doctor. So we diffuse a lot of people right away. They go, ah, oh, these guys are actually, you know, they just look like everyday average guys. Who knew? So we're just doing our little part. Yeah. But uh, I think my, one of my last questions is, uh, you know, you talked a little bit earlier about coming to festivals and seeing that the young pagans don't aren't getting the discipline, you know, they're not being taught or they're not following through on, you know, whatever it is that they need to do to learn the basics. Um, but what 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 else can you say to, you know, a lot of our listeners are, you know, solitaries, they're scattered all around the world. Um, a lot of them are young, you know, like in their teens, and uh, a lot of them feel you know, disconnected and they feel sometimes they're in the Bible Belt or they're mm. in places where they, they feel really oppressed about who they are and it's it's a hardship for them. So, you know, we like to tell we like to tell other our stories as, you know, adult pagans and how things get better. Um, what what can you say maybe about your personal experience, like kind of coming to terms with that? Like what prejudices have you had to face in your life and how are things now? Never really paid it. Never really was too affected by prejudice. I kind of was all, myself personally, just an in-your-face sort of person. You know, if someone didn't like something, you know, it's their problem, not mine. Say, eat my pagan ass. Right? Yeah, eat my pagan ass <laughs> <laughs> and kiss it while you're down there. Uh, you got it. Uh, I think now because of the internet, I think that obviously people, like you said, that might be isolated in places, that's where it's a, that's an amazing tool. You know, you can at least communicate with people. To go to festivals, there's pretty much a pub moot or a pagan get-together of some kind almost everywhere people are living to a slight degree. Granted, let's face it, it's not always rosy. There's some kooky folks out there we know, but you got to give it a shot. You might meet somebody in there that's actually pretty cool. If you go to festivals, I don't think the young kids are going to the workshops as much. And that's where you're going to find the people who are, you know, experiencing things. And it's worth it. It's a good party. Festivals are a wicked party, no doubt. But... There's also a really good uh, ability there to actually go to the workshops and learn some things. If you're not going to be able to do it, you know, regimented with a coven, then go to the festivals and, you know, experience the workshops and then go home and try to do it again. You know, like it, magic is about repetition. It's about, you know, discipline. You keep doing something. You just keep doing it over and over and eventually it becomes nature to you. And then to connect to spirit isn't so complicated, you know. It, the tools of magic are wonderful, and again, it teaches you everything to, to, to utilize. But the more you do it, the more comfortable you are to connect with realm and spirit. And the only way you can do that is to get in there and just wield, find the tradition that works for you. Mm -hmm. You know, try them all, try things, because there's just a paramount across them all. You know, we, there's some things that are just across the board. 
There's Arch Druid just walking by us as we're talking right now. You know, how, where else can you have such a thing? I know. <laughs> I'm hoping to get an interview with him. And like Gutu was saying, Gutu was saying about um, the workshops at some of the festivals, learn about your history. Because sooner or later you're going to be older and you're going to have to teach the younger generation about their history. The only way to keep it going. So just going to some of the workshops are fantastic pieces of information that you need as you're going to get older. Yeah. People need to realize that it's not the tools that you work with. It's the heart and the soul of yourself that you put into it. The work you put into actually making the magic happen, like the repetition. You just, uh, you know, you don't have to have an athame to touch this and point this. You'll need a sword to cut the circle, although it's a fine thing to do and it looks beautiful during the ritual. The thing is, your own body, your mind and your heart are all the tools you need to work with. Everything else is just an accessory. And once you believe in yourself, then everything else just falls in place. And anything else you can say about, to, to the young male pagan specifically, about growing, what it is to become a, a man pagan? I don't know. Anything you, any thoughts on that? Try somehow to connect with other pagan men. If you don't have a men's circle that meets up once or twice a year or even once a month, and you think you have the ability to do it, try to create one. The pagan community has always been about both mysteries and the male mysteries has always been lacking. So we need men to trust each other in this unfolding experiment of the neo-pagan movement. We need our men to be trusted, united. No matter what your sexual denomination is, you need to hook up with other pagan men and connect. Even if you have nothing in common, try to build some sort of foundation with some of the guys and try to experience that. Try to find a men's circle that you can attend. If it's a gay men's circle that's got men included, there are other things, then go to it. You'll learn something, you know? You'll be, it's all about trust. If uh, you're a gay person, or and you're going to go to a, a heterosexual men's circle, then try it. Chances are there's not going to be any ignorant people there. We can only hope. You have to seek out and go and find other pagan men and try to have a bond, have a friendship with them. Even if you don't have that much in common, try to meet up once a month and try to connect and build some sort of foundation. Just try to meet up with them and connect and see what happens. Go for it. You need to, uh, one of the things that we do with our men's circle, if we pass a pipe between us, it's a peace pipe, and as we pass the pipe on to the next person after you've greeted the gods and whatever, you say, may no lies pass between us, and you pass the pipe. And that creates a bond that normally you might have to really work at because it puts that thought there again and again and again until it becomes normal the way it should be and uh, i think that's one of the fantastic things that we have in our men's group that uh, others should you know haul into theirs just that no lies trust is a fabulous thing when you walk in and say what you i say to you will not go any farther than you you know it's it's trust between men and that's a big thing also look to other cultures in the world, you know, the animistic cultures that still exist in Asia, South America, Africa. What do those men do in those places that are still pagan? You know, what do those guys do? That's what we're trying to do as the male mysteries in many ways, in our opinion, to a degree in this modern world is there's no 
confusion as to what a male role is in a pagan culture that still exists right now. Still animistic, still connected. They're just living more in a primal state. So what do they do? And that's what we should be doing, you know, to connect to the earth, to connect to the gods. You know, it's not too complicated. Get together with men and see where it goes. Don't be disillusioned if the first couple times you meet some idiots because it's true they're out there we've met them but stay on the path stay strong and every experience that might be a little disillusioning just chalk it up to experience it's going to make you stronger if you're dedicated to the path and the gods then stay diligent and you will meet the right people and this is a beautiful positive thing in the big picture it'll take care of you you just gotta persevere through the mud sometimes and it'll all work out connect find some guys online that are have magic going on all right guys i want to thank you so much for being on eat my pagan ass uh all of you listening that was the dragon ritual drummers we had utu adrian and flint and uh, i encourage you to check out their website www.dragonritualdrummers.com you can purchase cds on that website they've also got a drink a cookbook on on how to make drinks i just saw <laughs> which looks really funny um i should ask you just a quick second about that like wh- what is that and why did you think of that what it's called 13 mountain mystery brews book one the elixirs and within that book 47 page book there's also a cd that we put out and it's called music to mix elixirs too it's our part in our journeys through america in appalachia we came across a cult of mystical people who make drinks in the hoodoo way, honoring the animals and their secretions. So, example, there's drinks called possum piss, the rabid raccoon, the bubonic bat, you know, gator dash. Um, oh so, there's a whole ceremony involved in these drinks. Uh, they've never been published before. You've never tasted anything like them. 13 Mountain Mystery Brews. You look them up. It's, uh, that CD is kind of Zydeco, Appalachia, you know, blues and bluegrass influence, even though we play drums as well so we kind of invented a fusion of music in this uh, interaction and everyone who gets the book and tries it out maybe you two can join the grand council of conjurecraft and be an elixirologist <laughs> awesome <laughs> sounds like good brew to have at the next uh, witch's ball yes you know all right pagan ass eaters out there uh this is lucky licious and thank you for listening so much stay tuned for our next episode i'll be bringing you more interviews from other festivals Uh, other leaders in the pagan community but right now we're going to take you out with some dragon ritual drummers trance out dance out do it all and uh, follow their advice if you're a man go find other men and do do pagan things together if you're a woman go find other women and do do pagan things together we need you all to find one another build community build trust and just get into the flow together and uh, it'll all work out in the end bye hookers so we have a story we'd like to share with y'all we toured a lot one year all through the Appalachian Mountains and hills from the south right up to New England. There was this one time, this one very special time, that we went out for a midnight excursion through this enchanted Appalachian Pass. We came to a crossroads, and right there in front of us was a possum. He told us his name was Elvis, and that he was a guardian spirit with the key to the ethereal mysteries of Appalachia. Man, what an awesome possum. So we followed him along a trail and came to a moonlit clearing in the trees and in the middle of the circle was a fire being tended by a raccoon. Elvis told us that to gain entry into the Appalachian spirit world, we had to first drink an ancient elixir passed down from 
appellation, witch doctor to root doctor to conjurer, all under the watchful eye of the mystical possum who originally gifted the people with the potion. He told us that the old traditions were no longer being passed on and were in danger of being lost forever. And he asked us to share the sacred recipe of this elixir. And it's called the possum piss. It's like this. Take a tall glass with lots of ice, a shot of rum, pour a little cola, a little more Dr. Pepper, and you top it off with some cold beer. To mix it, you stab the drink with a knife, once or twice, a ceremonial blade even better. And then sit back and take a taste of sweet mountain mystery. After a few, more animal spirits began to join our fire. A rattlesnake, a turtle, bullfrog, there was an owl, a vulture, and a six-legged squirrel. And they all had instruments, and they performed and played for us the spirit of Appalachia. Well, we had a few more, and jammed all night long. And we're here to tell you, the Appalachian half-step possum piss boogie goes a little something like this. Two, three, four. Oh, <laughs>